Hello everyone, this is uh, Josh and Connie here with our RiseCast podcast uh, for episode 5. Um, as you may have noticed, we've been kind of uh, MIA for a little bit. Uh, we'll go into that. Um, we've got uh, also some recap of our own Atlanta United um, and then we've got some uh, hopefully fun stuff coming up on the show today. But uh, first and foremost, uh, let's welcome Connie to the show. Hola. Hola. Well, um, I guess to start out, um, I, I think we need to explain where we've been. Uh, we've had quite a few people asking about uh, our podcast and... Um, where we've been missing. So people have been asking. People have been asking. Um, apparently, um, our one listener. <laughs> our one listener likes the show. Just kidding. So, <laughs> hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your mom no, uses a computer. <laughs> um, but uh, the last time that we joined, um. We were going to head up to Wisconsin, so uh, we, we took the 12-hour trek up. We were there for a day and a half, yep. um, scooted out of town. Well, we left on Thursday and came back on Sunday, but we were kind of delayed because of some snow-ice mixture in Chicago. We were, uh, yes, that's, tr- that's true, and we, uh, we jetted out of town before... Uh, they got two feet of snow. <laughs> yeah, since moving to the south, I just I we don't deal with snow anymore. Oh, makes me sad. I do miss the snow. I don't miss the bitter cold, but I miss the snow. And and it was cold uh, that you know. Yes. What fifteen degrees? <laughs> yes, a low of like nine, and that's not the wind chill. That's temperature. <laughs> And, and and it was it was brutal. I'm not gonna lie. You know, years ago, I would have said, yeah, I probably would have been fine. You would have been playing hockey in that. I would I would have been playing <laughs> hockey out on a frozen pond, but uh, not so much. But uh, as part of our trip, we visited one of our favorite cities, uh, and that would be uh, Milwaukee, one of the great cities on the Great Lake of Lake Michigan. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Connie for a little bit. Um, she's going to tell you, uh, just a little bit about Milwaukee because, uh, most of our listeners are from the Atlanta area. Uh, we do have a couple in Pennsylvania and, uh, we do have some in Wisconsin, but, um, for those who've never been to Milwaukee, what, what does it really have to offer? Um, actually when we moved down to Atlanta, um, three years ago, I was actually quite surprised at how much Atlanta reminded me a little bit of Milwaukee, just on a bigger, grander scale. Um, what I love about Milwaukee is the culture. Like, there's just so many different cultures there, and people, and food. The food is amazing. Um, even our festivals, music, it's just a real happen in place i love the i just love the atmosphere of milwaukee now you know we listen to a lot of atlanta sports talk radio 
And uh, just recently on Friday, uh, the Hawks were visiting Milwaukee. So naturally, people were asking, you know, what is there really to do in Milwaukee? You know, everyone has this stigma that uh, Wisconsin is just full of cows and uh, cheese factories. Um, it, actually, Milwaukee's a, a pretty nice town that actually a has beautiful a, city. a lot to offer, mm-hmm. including uh, anything you want to eat, Milwaukee has it. Yes. Um, Salvadorian food, like El, there's an El Salvador restaurant, Guatemalan, like just... A lot of, especially in Central America, a lot of different. One of our favorite restaurants was actually a, an Aztec restaurant called Sepazuchi. Um, they had like the best vegetarian burritos there. Awesome. Um, I'll give a shout out to, actually it was a Madison uh, store first, but uh, Ian's Pizza. Ian Pizza. Um, Ian's Home um, of the macaroni and cheese pizza. Yes. And I know it sounds disgusting. I thought the same thing. It's but it's stuff. it's uh it's good it's, stuff. It's life. Yes. Onokain Grinds, mm-hmm. our Hawaiian place. Hawaiian food, from yeah. From Hawaii. Hula dancers, the whole shebang. Boy, talking about all this food makes me kinda hungry. <laughs> um Let's see. So, you know, we had some some things to do back in Wisconsin. Uh, decided to get out of Dodge before the snow fell. Um, turned it around, made the trek all the way back down to Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, without any issue. Praise the Lord. Um, or murders. Um, <laughs> you might want to elaborate <laughs> on that. Uh, one of the times that we drove back uh, from the Wisconsin camp meeting, we had just made it into uh, across the border into Kentucky. Just past Louisville. Just past Louisville, which uh, I was not really aware, but it is a crime capital. Yes. Um, Sorry, Louisville. I'm but calling uh, you out right now. <laughs> yeah, calling you out. There's crime everywhere, but. Yeah, we it's... we had we had a traffic jam that was not moving and uh we like to use the app Waze um to get around traffic. Well, I was able to see what it, well what Waze is for those who don't know, like a social media type navigator. Yes. It's it's all user driven. People can report potholes, cars, or in this case, uh, a murder that happened at a uh, a rest, a rest stop. stop yeah. Um, I won't go into any details, but uh, yeah, that was not a, a site that I wanted to well, see. Well, we're thankful for for ways because it told Josh that it was something that small children should not see. So I was able to get into the left lane and avoid view for them so. so from this point forth we always get a little um on edge when we are traveling through uh, louisville kentucky it's anywhere i mean it's 800 miles anything could happen but god always goes before behind above and below us so thankful for him and safe traveling mercies every time we go back 
So yeah, the comment about the murder was an innocent one. It's not like, you know, feeling stabby because you're stuck in Atlanta traffic. No, this was a situation that, man, we live in a scary world. Well, instead of being a, a it's Debbie... It's just got, like, <laughs> real sad right away. <laughs> this well, is not my tender bit. <laughs> no, no. We're going we're gonna to change gears here. Thank you. Go to something a little more uh, upbeat. Uh, Atlanta United. Last time we talked, uh, we had went to their home opener at uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium. Mm-hmm. 55,000 people. And uh, come to find out, it was the fourth largest crowd in soccer history and that includes all international yes and uh it it was quite impressive it was a very fun game uh, even though atlanta did lose the crowd stood the entire time it was awesome i have never been to a sporting event where i did not sit in the seat that i paid for it was exciting like i know a lot of people think that soccer is boring but this this was Every time I've seen them play, it's just very exciting matches. It, it was a, a very fast-paced game. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta does not play like an expansion team. No. These guys look like they've played together for quite a while. Yeah, they've already got chemistry and cohesion going on. And, and you know, Yosef Martinez leads the league in scoring right now. I mean, he's already had a hat trick, scored two more goals in the game after that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, our boys went up to Minnesota, which is another expansion team, yes. in a snowstorm. Yes. And this is an expansion team that was already a team in a lower league. Um, they might have added a few players, but the nucleus was already there. So this expansion team has already been playing together for years. And we weren't sure how that was going to go, especially playing in the snow. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, we were just praying that there was going to be no injuries because of it. But they went into Minnesota. And dominated. And dominated six to one. Mm -hmm. And the following week played the Chicago Fire back here in Atlanta sold out the, the venue again mm-hmm. and 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 beat them for nil yes so and the second goal by Joseph Martinez was just phenomenal I still don't know how he pulled that off it, the buzz around Atlanta right now is all about Atlanta United second to only the Seahawks no who has the most? jerseys sold oh the cubs the cubs the chicago cubs second only to the chicago cubs in merchandise sold pretty impressive yes and i have to i have to admit i love their uniforms yes uh i was always uh very keen on uh, ac milan's jerseys and uh you know it's very similar and uh a big shout out to the sponsor, American Family Insurance, um, Wisconsin-based for that. But uh, they take care of us. They take Thanks, care American of us. Family. 
Um, but yeah, Atlanta United, if you haven't been to a game... Um, They're on the road now for the next four games. They're going to go play Seattle next, um, up in Seattle, and then a few more games. And then they're not back here until close to the end of April, and they'll be playing D.C. United. Which should be a should be a pretty good Great, game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that there's a lot there's a break right now because there's a lot of international play. Yeah, before the Seattle game, there's international play, which actually Yosef Martinez got hurt because he plays for his national team of Venezuela. Where the field basically looked like a bomb went the off. The pitch was terrible. It was awful. But uh, make, make an attempt to get out to uh, an Atlanta United game. Uh, whether it's at uh, Bobby Dodd or uh, later on when they uh, open up Mercedes-Benz Field, which is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a pretty sweet-looking stadium. It's time for the city of Atlanta right now. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more that... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just... It's exciting that MLS has come to Atlanta. Josh, what are you, what are you doing? Well, we're doing a podcast right now. What are you doing? Okay, I, I've got to get my baseball um, scouting up here. I've got a draft tomorrow. Um, Pastor but, Jaley is commissioner of our league. But we're doing a podcast right I, now. I can't disappoint though. He is a listener. Okay, Josh. Ellen White said that sports that occupy so much of your time are diverting your mind from study. It's not helping you to prepare for practical or earnest work in life and does not tend toward refinement, generosity, or even manliness. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That sounded like a scrambled egg white to me. <laughs> For those of you that uh, were not listening to some of our first episodes, uh, what we mean by a scrambled egg white uh, are those LNG white comments that people like to inadvertently, or not inadvertently, passively aggressively, passively aggressively throw in your face. Uh, to make their point. But they mean well, Josh. Of course they do. But, uh, yeah, Connie just threw an egg white my way because... We I, need an example. We needed an example. <laughs> but uh, I, Connie uh, found an article, um, actually just today, mm-hmm. by uh, Jeffrey Rosario that uh, she would like to share. Yeah, it was, um, it's on lightbearers.org. It was actually posted last year, January 26, 2016. It's a really good article. The title is The Ellen White You Thought You Knew. I love that. That you thought you knew? You thought you knew. And it says, Ellen White said, dot, 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 Those are three apparently innocent words that have been used and abused with much zest and confidence. 
They have been known to strike dread and incite rebellion in the hearts of some. But why? It is in the reaction to Ellen White's message or because of what people think she was all about. And so it's about sweeping generalizations um, that basically make her writings almost unrecognizable. That sounds uh, pretty nasty. Well, I mean, from my own experience, there was... I mean, when I first became an Adventist, which was about 10 years ago, I avoided her writings, which is really sad. But at the time, it was people who used her and her writings, took them out of context and used them to point out what I was doing wrong. And so when someone points out and uses someone's writings, of course, you're going to look at that and be like, oh, that's not for me, or I couldn't read that because it's just going to put me in some, you know, dark stronghold of what's wrong with me. But wasn't she just this stuffy curmudgeon? No, not at all. When you read um, people who talked about Ellen White that or around her when she was still alive. She was a very vibrant, loving, compassionate individual. And so when I read these, and then I read her writings, and I read her writings come from that viewpoint, it's beautiful. Like, when you read her writings coming from the viewpoint of someone who really loved Jesus and wanted to just get as close to him as possible, you can't help but fall in love with her writings. Do we have any examples? Examples of writings that I love? or Just the fact that she wasn't this curmudgeon of a, of a person, you know, this judgmental person that uh, a lot of people make her out to be. Well, from her own words, let me read... It's called A Plea for Common Sense. This is part of that article. After over 50 years of an incredibly prolific writing career, Ellen White attended a meeting in Elmshaven, California, to address some confusion about her writings because certain Adventists were taking her statements out of context. The year was 1904, speaking before a board of educators, ministers, Administrators and lay members, she said, My mind has been greatly stirred in regard to the idea. Why Sister White has said so and so. Sister White has said so and so, and therefore we are going right up to it. God wants us all to have common sense, and he wants us to reason from common sense. Circumstances alter conditions. Circumstances change the relation of things. Her writings were taken out of context and misapplied in a narrow way. And she talks about the collateral damage um, on the church's identity and the mission when her writings are misrepresented and her authority is misused. And then there's other, later on in the article, um, Ellen's sister killed Joy White. 
Sister Killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people that have been damaged by others who use her writings to point things out, they think of her as a killjoy. Like she didn't, oh, that's the lady who doesn't like bicycles. This is true. And, uh, you know, I will be the first to admit when I was getting lectured by uh, an elder, and I don't mean like church elder, I'm just somebody older than me. And when they name dropped Ellen G. White, the first thing I wanted to do was just roll my eyes and leave. Right. Because, you know, everything that we had heard was in a negative light, and she was Sister Killjoy. Right. And she's not, like, when you read... Sorry, I'm looking through this article. I wish I could read the whole thing, but I'm going to point everyone to this article um, when we're done so you can read it for yourself. But they talk about her looking like a grumpy old lady in her portraits. Um, it says, and yes, it's true that Ellen White made some comments about careless, joking, and jesting, but she was also opposed to a smileless, joyless, humorless Christian lifestyle, which points me to the resting Adventist face. Whoa. What, what is resting Adventist face? For me, it's like when you look at, I can look around in the church and be like, everyone looks like they sucked on a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the joy? <laughs> like when they're singing hymns and they're just like standing there and there's no smile. Like, I don't know about you, but when I sing about Jesus or I hear his name, just hearing his name, it just brings a smile to my face. I just am overwhelmed with this joy. And it's like I look around and it's like everyone just sucked on a lemon. And this is this is, you know, churches that we visited all over. Everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. I mean, we are living when you look at the book of Revelation, we're living in the days of Laodicea. The people are lukewarm. If you were on fire for Christ, people would be able to tell. And so I call it resting Adventist face. <laughs> you heard it here first. Rise cast. <laughs> well, one of the things that, uh, as I read it, that I really, I, I think kind of put it into perspective. Um, it says here, one lady who lived in the white home as a child recalls that Ellen White would take great interest in their childhood games and let the kids engage in a pillow fight once a week before bed. Uh, thinking back on these childhood memories, she remembers Ellen as warm and human. Um, you know, she was a mother too, and, and actually counsels parents to, it's, it's not a bad thing to act as children with your children. Right. To, to get down, have fun. And, uh, you know, be a little goofy once in a while. You know, it's good for the soul. We think of her as like this stoic, just, I don't know, like very Grumpy lunch lady. (laughs) Yeah, and she is, she was very warm and very, I love that. She just, she was human. And I think of 
a lot of people kind of want to put Jesus in that light too. But when we look at Jesus in the Bible, he was the one that telling his disciples, don't tell the little children not to come to me. He was sitting there with the children and I imagine them like crawling all over him and in his lap and he's joking with them. And why would Ellen White be any different? Because she loved Jesus. And so she loved Jesus and she had this spirit of prophecy in her and she she was growing closer and closer to him. Why wouldn't she be that image that we see of Jesus? Like, I don't see Jesus as being this, oh, you need to do that. We don't see that of Jesus in the Bible. I see him as being just this warm People loved him. Now, would you, do you see people who are stoic and staunch? They don't attract people. It's the people that are warm and compassionate and have empathy and are loving and walk around with joy in their heart. It doesn't mean that they're happy all the time. It's just that, you know, God's joy is having joy in all things. And so even though he's walking around and he's seeing the pain and everything that's going on and he still is moved with compassion, he still has the joy of his of his father in his heart. Well, and, and I think one interesting thing is, I mean, whenever you see a picture of her, it's, it's as you said, resting Adventist face. But that was everyone back then. Right. I mean... You know, when you took a pic- portrait, that's how you looked. Pictures took so long to take that you couldn't smile. And I think that if they had technology that we have now, I think the pictures and you know that you would see of her would be would be a much different person. And maybe she wouldn't have such a a, a bad rap. Right. I love this. Like we're gonna get into kind of a touchy subject for even myself, but this exemplifies what kind of person Ellen White was. And it says, in spite of the many unattractive blemishes that Ellen White's image has endured, there are some experiences in her life that I find refreshing because they give me an inviting glimpse into her personality. On the subject of sex, which was taboo in her Victorian era, Several Ellen White encounters depict a prophet that is not stuffy or prudish. In 1861, a 26-year-old Adventist preacher by the name of Daniel T. Bordeaux was getting ready for his wedding ceremony in a private home in Vermont. He had asked James White to perform the ceremony and Ellen White to offer a prayer at the conclusion of the service. After the late ceremony, Daniel and his new bride, Marion, were persuaded by the hosts of the private estate to postpone their honeymoon travels and stay the night. Because of the inconvenience of traveling in the dark, the hosts also convinced James and Ellen to rest in the estate for the night. By the time Ellen White made her way upstairs to her room around 9 p.m., she found the new husband nervously pacing up and down the hallway in front of his bedroom. I can't blame the guy. He was spending his first af- her first honeymoon night in a room right next to James and Ellen White's room, of all people. That's enough to make any new husband a bit jittery. 
Behind those doors was his new young bride, clad in her winter underwear, intensely staring at the wall. Ellen White quickly read the situation, and pointing toward the closed bedroom door, she said, Daniel, inside that room is a frightened young woman in bed, petrified with fear. Now you go into her right now and love her, and you comfort her. And Daniel, you treat her gently, and you treat her tenderly, and you treat her lovingly. It will do her good. Then with a slight grin on her face, she said, Daniel, it will do you good too. (laughs) (laughs) Wise words of Ellen White. (laughs) And then there's another one of an Adventist man who wrote, he wanted to write a track promoting the idea that sex within marriage should only be engaged for the purpose of bearing children and not for pleasure. And so he kept writing Ellen White, and he wanted to, he wanted her support in printing this track. And she wrote him and said, you'd better leave that matter alone. But he kept pestering her. So she finally met with him, and he rambled and he rambled, and she said, are you through? And he replied, yes. Then Ellen White told him, now go home and be a man. Needless to say, the track was never published. <laughs> Point set match way to go ellen (laughs) (laughs) and so when you read these she just i don't see this stuffy very overly reverent stoic woman with resting adventist face i see someone that i would want to be friends with and a little bit of a spitfire oh yeah i love that I love hearing how Ellen, and he he goes on to say, I'm sure Ellen had many sleepless nights because she knew that her words and her everything that she had penned, even to, you know, they had said that there were certain things that were not supposed to be published. They were for certain individuals going through certain situations. And that wasn't necessarily for the public at large. And so people have taken these writings out of context and some very personal pen things to certain individuals and made this tradition or something that everyone needs to follow. Um, And so it's like, I'd like to liken it to We don't like it when unbelievers take certain Bible verses and use it against God and use it out of context. So why is it okay for us to take Ellen White's writings out of context to prove a point? Once again, it goes back to what we were saying. Is it better to be right or is it better to be loving in our truth? That's a, a pretty sobering question that uh, a lot of people have to ask, uh, in, including uh, myself sometimes. But, uh, you know, whatever points someone to the foot of the cross, whether you have to suck up your pride or or not, is is the way that we have to think. Because sometimes being right is not always the best option and it will turn people away. Right. 
Um, I think we're going to switch gears now. Um, last episode, I don't think we got in a, one of one of these, one of Connie's uh, tender bits. Um, and I know that she's probably, you know, had the shakes for the last few weeks because I, I know she loves to um, get her emotions out there. Um, but uh, without further ado... Um, we are going to allow Connie her place here with one of Connie's tender bits. Hello, everyone. This story is taken from People Magazine's Human Interests, and it's about a 10-year-old boy named Hayden that did something pretty special in my eyes and I hope and pray that um, this story touches you as well. It says, for the last three months, 10-year-old Hayden has set up shop in the front lawn of his Lincoln Lincolnton, North Carolina home. He arranged a table, made a sign, and passed out flyers advertising his art for sale for a dollar. I'm doing it for my little brother to make him happy and make sure he doesn't give up. Hayden is raising money to buy toys for his younger brother, Max, who is seven years old and suffers from a rare nerve and tumor disorder that makes his life very uncomfortable. When he was nine years old, genetic testing showed Max was born with neurofibromatosis. Anything you can imagine going wrong is affected. He has tumors, migraines, neuropathy, seizures, muscle weakness. The list keeps going. Every day he gets a little worse, his mother, Cynthia Davis, says. He used to be the most outgoing, hyperactive child, just the life of the party, and now he barely wants to get out of bed. A few months ago, Hayden started to realize just how sick his little brother is and moved his mattress into Max's room. They're inseparable now. Hayden's idea is just give him more and more and just make every moment the best it could be it could possibly be. Hayden says he likes to draw monsters and skeletons and loves that he keeps selling out of his work. So far he's made $100. Praise the Lord. The brothers recently spent some of the money on Legos and other toys that they could play together with. Max has to wear a mask, and they typically only visit stores when they aren't too crowded. The art is therapeutic for Hayden, too, because Hayden has autism, and his mother says drawing is a coping mechanism. It's fantastic. It's a nice way that this is a, is a way he's coping with Max being so sick. For Hayden, it's pretty simple. I just want him to be happy. If he's happy, I'm happy. Thank you, Connie. Um, that that is a pretty cool story. And and if you look at pictures of this kid, I mean, you know, you can't get much redder hair than that. Oh, he's adorable. So, so he's adorable. You know, driving down the road, I think that you would be able to spot him uh, pretty easily. So if you are in the North Carolina area. Uh, stop on by and uh, support um, Hayden in his quest to uh, sell custom artwork 
Yes. And uh, $1 is a pretty reasonable price for custom artwork. Absolutely. And I love that even though Hayden has autism, he's not suffering on what's going on inside of himself. He's using what's going on with him and doing something that's therapeutic to like I love what he said if he's happy I'm happy and so it just I think of when we go out and we do outreach when we go out and we're doing that outreach and we're blessing people and we're helping people we're assisting God to bless people um it's when you see them happy and you see that need being filled and you see the look on their face it reminds me of that when they're happy we're happy and there's something so fulfilling about that that you are blessed just as much as that person is and that really is the cool thing that uh, we have learned through serving is you know you think that you are blessing the other person it's it's really you that gets the uh, almost double portion just mm-hmm. by by going out and doing what we're called to do and and rise up and get out yes um as far as for some of our male listeners um don't worry um i will be bringing some stories in the future uh, on a more of uh, masculine uh, level um we did talk about sports for like we, the we first did talk about sports and I, I am very fortunate I have a wife that loves <laughs> sports um, you know we are very excited that baseball season is just around yes. the corner um, new you know, baseball park too SunTrust exactly we'll, we will be visiting SunTrust Park uh, can't wait and um, you know not excited the, about the traffic though not excited about the traffic five is and you know we have atlanta united going on right now uh in the fall football will be back we'll be back um go back go back go (laughs) there there are certain things that you know you know when you move you know we listen to like i said atlanta uh sports talk radio so you know naturally we hear more about Atlanta sports than we do um, our teams back in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, by all means, I still love to root for those teams. But, you know, it's it, it's easy to get an allegiance to the home team where you live, uh, with exception to um, the Falcons. I will root for the Falcons. Unless they're playing the Packers. But the Packers come first. That's right. Uh, sadly, um, our season ended with the Falcons, but um, eh, it was it was a good season. It, the Packers went farther than we thought they would. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully there's, there's always next year. Um, you know, the... The Braves had a pretty dismal season last year, right up until the last 14, 15 games. Uh, then they became pretty fun to watch. So you know, we're, we're pretty excited to have um, baseball starting up. We also have the, the AAA Gwinnett Braves down here. Yep. 
which are um, almost as fun to watch. Um, pretty much the same caliber ball. Um, I'm excited for Georgia Tech right now, their basketball team, that they weren't even expected to win, what, more than like three games? Mm-hmm. And they're in the final four of the, the NIT. Um, uh, the Badgers, uh, had a, had a pretty good run going. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as we saw last night, um, right at the last minute, um, ended the season, but that's what the, the final four you know, tournament's all good, about. That's a good segue into your boastful Adventist or boastful Christians. See, that was the jinx. Yes. Uh, for anyone that watches, uh, specifically Aaron Rodgers, uh, a couple, a few seasons ago, um, he one of his moves after a first down, a touchdown, whatever, was the championship belt, discount which, double check, which ended up being the discount double check um, for, for in the State Farm commercials. But uh, yeah, tied the game up, did the old championship belt discount double check and then here comes the three-pointer from florida exactly and the game not until <laughs> as they say the fat lady sings um that's called hot dogging it <laughs> that's called hot dogging it and uh in the end no mustard <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah like i said um we'll have um some uh, more manly stories uh, coming up uh, in future episodes. And uh, I've got one that I've been sitting on for a, a couple of weeks now that uh, I, I think will be pretty good. And um, I don't know. I think we're, we're pretty much getting ready to wrap it up here. Um, anything you have to say, Connie? Yeah, I just want to encourage uh, – it's my testimony – reading more of Ellen White's writings and um, I've gotten into the Adventist home and for any young person out there, especially millennials, especially if you have been hurt or abused by others who were trying to do it lovingly but didn't necessarily go that route or they're blind to it, they mean well. But if you've ever been hurt by Ellen White's writings, kind of like, you know, shots fired, pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew. Um, I encourage you to pick up her writings and, and read them for yourself. Um, and I pray that you're able to see a different perspective of who Ellen White really was, a woman who was joyful she she loved the lord with her whole heart and you know she had a love for jesus like like no other and she just she wanted to share that with people she was very passionate about it um and someone who was such a pioneer for this movement for this adventist movement if she was not loving and compassionate and Jesus exemplified in her own life, this movement would have gone nowhere. And so you have to take the context of Ellen White's life and not how other people perceive her. 
And I think that's important with uh, with anything. With anything, yep. I mean, it's the same thing with the Adventist faith. We go back to when we talked about legalism, and um, a lot of people think of the Adventist church as being very legalistic, and it's because there's sadly been quite a few people in our church that haven't lived out that whole righteousness by faith, that if you believe in Jesus and you believe in the Bible and you believe everything and and who God is and surrender to that, that righteousness comes from him. It doesn't come from anything inside of us. It doesn't come from anything that we do. And so when we truly love the Lord and we surrender to him because we want to be like him, that righteousness comes like we don't have to worry about how we're living our life we're obedient because we love him and it just it starts to come a little bit more naturally I'm not saying it's easy it's not easy in our sinful nature it's still kind of abrasive because it's difficult but you want to you want to be obedient when you truly have that relationship you want to serve him and you want to show that you love him. It's it's like us as a couple. You know, I, I don't always like to do laundry all the time or whatever, but I do it because I love my family. So there's certain things that I do that I can see the works in that and, and how it helps the rest of my family. And it's not always something that's easy for me to do. And this is just a very vague or very elementary idea, but... For the record, I can do laundry too, so... (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, there's sometimes that you do things that you don't necessarily like to do, but it comes as just this mode of obedience because you love, because you have this deep love for others. And so... It's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always like the first thing that you want to do when you get up in the morning, but you do it because it's not like an allegiance. It's because you you love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For the same reason why I do a majority of the grocery shopping and I hate grocery shopping. I, I honestly despise it. But for, for the same reason, you know, I, I know that... Uh, you know, Connie um, needs time also with the kids, and uh, you know, any opportunity I can give to uh, let her have time with the kids, um, you know, I'll I'll run out, do the grocery shopping, and um, I'm pretty quick at it now. So it's not really the the drudge that it was when um, I, I always asked my parents when I was a kid, is it big grocery shopping or small grocery shopping, and if, if the word big came out, I knew I was in it for at least an hour and a half. Well, and you also know that if you take me with, you're going to be spending at least 45 minutes in the produce section. This is true. <laughs> and usually ends up being about $45 more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you but, like the produce section? It's my favorite. <laughs> exactly. All the pretty colors. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good wrap. Um, is that it? I think We're so. Done? I think so. I mean, we've. Wow. I know it's. Have we rambled for that long? I I think that we have. Mercy. 
Mercy. But um, shout out to Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that, I think that uh, you know we can sign off of this episode, which we've uh, entitled "Scrambled Egg White." Um, thank you all for listening, and um, we'll uh, we'll catch you on our next episode. Hopefully, it won't be as long of a delay this time, though. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I miss this. It's good to be back in the seat again, in the chair again. But uh, uh, life does happen. It does. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Goodbye. Have a great week.